Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, my esteemed host that for the last 14 years of doing this show, and we have about three or four million downloads, so we're so glad that you can join us. You know, we always are trying to bring cutting-edge leaders, authors, gurus who can give you a little bit of that competitive edge. What can you do a little more? What can you do uh, a little less? And what are the things that will kind of bring you into the top 10%? So between Kathy and I, We have helped thousands of leaders to move themselves and their teams into the top 10%. And we've been focusing on this idea of of emotional brilliance. So in the moment, what do you beckon? What do you pull forward so that you can be brilliant? Today, we're going to talk about uh, honesty and trustworthiness. You know, how leaders build a reputation for being trustworthy with Ron Carucci and uh, he's got some very interesting things, kind of really getting to some of the base common principles of being a leader. So we're going to bring Ron on and give a little bit of his bio in just a moment. So thank you. Hold tight. You can hear some of the you know pearls coming from him. And as we move forward talking about what's going on these days, you know, with the, the pandemic, if you're listening to this live or at some time recording, there is so much going on uh, in our world in, as leaders and as parents. This is probably the most uh, emotions, chaotic, uh, uncertain times that we are going to have in our life. You know, we don't know what's going to happen in the future, but if we look at now to the past, I would say, you know, this is at a crescendo. And leaders and parents alike are dealing with more complexity, uncertainty, and just these abundance of emotions. Now and arguably, like I'm saying, more so than any other time in their life. There's so many you know, unknowns around the vaccine and masks and, and your kids at school and uh, new variant coming in. And so one of the things that you know, Kathy and I have uh, is a free ebook, 11 Reasons Why You Need Emotional Intelligence Now. And this is one of these critical times. And if you go to our website, www.emotionalbrilliance.com slash academy, you can download the free ebook. And then on there is also uh, an opportunity to get our seven-day unlimited pass of some of the other online um, tools and resources that we have. So this idea of emotionally brilliant is just like you think about um, a target, what's that in the bullseye, I think some of the stuff that Ron's going to talk to us about around trustworthiness is, you know, how do you bring that? You show your emotional brilliance. You show your leadership in relationships. And these relationships can be two or three minutes. Can you be your best in those two or three minutes? So that's a lot of what we're going to be talking about. And let me say a little bit about uh, Ron Carucci here. So Ron is the co-founder and managing uh, partner of an organization called Navalent, and it works with CEOs and executives pursuing 
transformational change for their organizations, their leaders, and uh, the industry that they're in. So he has a 30-year track record of helping executives tackle challenges of strategy, organizational leadership. And I'm sure he's uh, in the thick of it today, helping leaders move, move forward. So he's worked from startups to Fortune 10 companies, nonprofits, head of states, turnarounds, new markets, strategies, overhauling leadership, but also culture and redesigning for growth. He has helped organizations articulate strategies that lead to accelerated growth and design organizations that execute those strategies. So this is a you know perfect time you know to hear from uh, Ron. He has worked with worked in more than twenty five countries, four continents. He's the author of nine books, including the recent Amazon number one, Rising to Power, and the forthcoming book, To Be Honest, Lead with Power and Truth, Justice and Purpose. He's uh, contributed to Harvard Business Review where Navalent's work on leadership was named one of the 2016 management ideas that matters the most. He's also a contributor to Forbes, a two-time TED speaker, and uh, lives in the uh, Seattle area with his wife and, and two children. So, um, Ron, let's kind of bring you on, and we'll jump right into it, and I think Kathy will, will probably join us uh, when she's uh, available. So, Ron, welcome to the show. Hey, really, thanks. thanks, really. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Yeah, thank you. Um, so let's just start off a little bit. And we always try to do this, you know, and probably you do this too, to get a, a sense of the leaders that you're working with. You know, what's, what's some of these influences that have maybe led you to be who you are? And then we'll go through, we've got a series of questions and about some of your research and studies that I think our listeners will be, you know, really uh, happy to hear. So... As you give us a little background about who's been some of the major influences, you know, in your life. Gosh, I, I have been very blessed with some incredible mentors throughout my career, some some wonderful bosses who gave me some great opportunities to stretch <coughs> my wings and try new things. Um, certainly, <coughs> the management thinking, even going back to the classics of Peter Drucker, um, mm. uh, Tom Peters. Um, I think there were some yeah. wonderful management thinkers early in my career that I, I found to be truly formative and uh, significant that shaped my thinking. Certainly, um, the, the, the psychologists like David Nadler um, and uh, uh, Beck, Richard Beckhardt, uh, who fathered okay. the field of organizational psychology, was certainly also very formative to my work as well. And I know... Uh, David Nadler, I know that name, given my last name is Nadler, but I, they're probably somewhere we're, we're related, but I know he's done some real formative work. So tell us a little bit about kind of, you know, we got a little bit about your influence, just your background, kind of what brought you to where you are today, and maybe some of the things that you do today, um, you know, to help organizations. Yeah, so I've been in the field of uh, doing the organizational consulting work for about 30 years. Um, I began my career inside a couple of big companies, had the chance to work inside uh, a couple of CPG companies, an energy company, and uh, a technology company. Uh, but I learned, you know, in those, in those early 10 or 15 years of my career that sometimes um, politically doing what I do can have some risks to it. And so I learned that uh, what got me in trouble inside companies got me paid very well outside companies. So I realized that if I was going to lit out my passion for organizations, it was going to have to be by not being part of one. And I, I learned that 
uh, what I, the way I, I work and the kinds of um, data I have to reveal, the kinds of truths I have to tell the leaders in order to get them to improve, is sometimes best done by, as an outsider. And so yeah. I began, uh, I went uh, to uh, work at David Nellis Consulting Firm. Um, 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 sure. And uh, after that, sure. uh, a couple, uh, about, 16, about 16 years ago, uh, a couple of friends of mine from the firm and I uh, left to start Nablin. Okay, cool. So really interesting what you're saying. Tell me a little bit about, because we have a lot of people inside companies, um, what were some of the things is, is it, I'm imagining something along the side of a truth teller, but like, what were some of the things that got you, uh, in trouble inside a company, but then probably, a, you know, a higher paid consultant outside the company? Well, sometimes you, you know, uh, and, and, and early in my career, I will, you know, acknowledge that I didn't probably have the same levels of diplomacy that I do now, mm. <clears throat> but you know, you uncover, you turn over rocks inside companies, you, in, large, complicated systems are imperfect systems and they're full of humans. And so when there are performance glitches, when there are performance challenges, of course you're going to find human, you know, human behavior behind a lot of that. And so sometimes you have to hold up mirrors to say, hey, here's some of the challenges you're facing. Here's some of the problems you as the leader are causing. Um, right. You really want to fix the problems and improve performance. Well, sometimes I learned that when you're in the same political hierarchical structure as those leaders or in the same political system, they're a little bit more threatened by you having that information yeah. or having that point of view, as if it were a secret, right? Um, right. And so, and sometimes probably the way I raised those issues probably wasn't as, again, diplomatic or uh, alliance-friendly as it could have been. And so, you know, for a variety of reasons, I kept believing that my role was to, in order to improve performance, in order to help make things better, was to, to raise honest information. Um, but it turns out that that was far more politically risky than I thought. And then when I started... You know, after I finished with my collection of severance packages, um, I, uh, I started working outside of companies, and suddenly my voice was welcomed. Suddenly I was, I was not yeah. only um, g- g- were people glad to have hear what I had to say, but they expected it. Um, and then I could be a little bit more direct and honest and forthcoming yeah. without having to worry about the political implications. So I just... Um, 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 uh, decided I would try. Uh, and then I went yeah. to work for um, Delta Consulting work for, uh, um, firm and, and, you know, sort of got to learn and practice with the best of them. Yeah. I think uh, it's so interesting what you're saying. Uh, you didn't necessarily use this language, but I think if you're inside the company, it really does take some diplomacy and some emotional intelligence to say, okay, how do I say it? Who do I say it with? Um, and, you know, that also sounds like one of the things that you're saying, Ron, like all of us, the good news about emotionally intelligent, emotional intelligence, we get more emotionally intelligent as we are older and it's maturity. You know how to say things. You've got more experience. We know from neuroscience, every experience changes your brain. So hopefully that brain is, is moving forward in a, in a good way. And then you end up using, you know, more emotional intelligence. You know, if you're in an organization, I think hopefully one takeaway that you're hearing from Ron, not to say they can't say what you need to, but you may really need to say, okay, how do I say it? Can I get some allies uh, around that? So pretty interesting, Ron, um, that I can see from your own experience and then uh, in an organization and taking that out. So the, 
uh, one thing about it, it's almost like how to be honest, one of the themes that we have here. Um, and it looks like you've had a 15-year study conducting on honesty. And, you know, that's pretty incredible. So maybe tell us about that because that seems extensive. Uh, and then, you know, in today's world, um, to really be able to get your point of view out without maybe alienating others. We have a lot of alienation going on with different views. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little yep. bit about that study. So I wanted, I wanted to know under what conditions. I mean, listen, we've all read the stories of Wells Fargo and um, uh, Theranos and Volkswagen. And, and we, every year we have our collection of those, and we're all a little tired of them. The explanations are equally unsatisfying. You know, uh, well, that was the culture. It was a couple of bad apples. But I wanted to understand, well, wh- 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 there has to, be, has to be something systemically that, that creates the conditions under which otherwise honest people do dishonest things. Um, and I wanted mm-hmm. to dig deeper. So we did a 15-year longitudinal study with more than 3,200 leaders uh, and, and, and forensically using uh, some great artificial intelligence technology, I, I sort of examined statistically the qualitative data to find out, could we predict, could we isolate and predict the conditions under which people would tell the truth, behave fairly, and serve a greater good, and under which conditions people would lie, cheat, and serve their own interests first. And if we could mm-hmm. predict them, wow. could we prevent the bad conditions, and could we actually accentuate the positive conditions in, uh, to promote the better behavior? And in fact, we did find four that uh, statistically we can prove that there are, you know, there are circumstances in which you will take otherwise honest people and, and strengthen their sense of truth-telling. Uh, so we define honesty as truth, justice, and purpose. So um, saying the right thing, doing the right thing, and saying and doing the right thing for the right reason because you will no longer be labeled honest if you simply don't lie. Um, to be labeled as honest, you have to do all three of those things. And so we were able so, to find the conditions under which people would do all three of those things. So let me just kind of deconstruct this a little bit. Um, so first of all, I want to make sure I kind of heard this right. You did interviews, and you said it was 3,200 CEOs. Did I hear that right? Leaders. Leaders. Oh, leaders. Okay. So it wasn't only CEOs, but leaders. Um, and then out of that, you were able to uh, do some analysis, and you really came up with, you know, these three conditions. You know, and we definitely, I definitely want to hear the the, the research in, in the areas, but is there, like, when you define these, can you define it, like, a little even deeper around truth, justice, purpose, like, just so for our listeners? I mean, you know, these are big words. They're kind of loaded words, um, but, you know, is there any kind of, like, definition below that? Like, what would be truth? Well, yeah, so, so it's saying the right thing, doing the okay. right thing, and saying and doing the right thing for the right reason. And that would be so, for all of them. Truth, justice, and purpose. Yeah. So saying the right thing, doing the right thing, and then uh, doing it for saying, the right reason. Saying and, and so, doing, saying and doing the right thing for the right reason, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. That's a good way to describe it. Um, so say a little bit of now, as we're getting into this, what, like, what are the conditions? And so this came out of this study of 3,200 interviews that there actually were four conditions that would either enhance honesty and, and then I guess maybe the other question are there the same conditions that would uh, allow someone to be dishonest. But yeah, go ahead. Take it from here. So the first was uh, uh, having a clear identity, being who you say you are. 
Um, we, all of our companies okay. have verbal promises they make. They have missions. They have values. They have purpose statements. They have, um, you know, um, sort of words that describe who they intend to be. Well, it turns out that if your actions and words match, if, in fact, people's experience of your organization is, in fact, consistent with those words, you're three times more likely to have people tell the truth, be, uh, be honest, tell the truth, behave fairly, and serve regarded good. Same with leaders. If people will decode your sense of values, your sense of trustworthiness by your actions. So they will, re- they will reverse right. engineer what they believe your values to be by how you spend your time, how you make decisions, how you act. If, right. if you are consistent in how it is people experience your words and actions, in other words, there's no say-do gaps there, um, you will be deemed trustworthy. Um, you are th- in that case, you are three times more likely to have people behave honestly around you or, or treat you as trustworthy. The second so, so Ron, was, this is, <laughs> Hold on a second, Ron. Ron, Ron just hold on, because we're going to take a break. So I want to make sure we kind of capture this first one, is clear identity. And then the last part you said was three times uh, seen as being trustworthy. Is that what the three times was? Yeah. So, so if you're, uh, in other words, if you, are, if you are who you say you are, you are three right. times more likely to be considered honest and trustworthy and have people be honest to you. Okay. All right, great. Well, and if you're not, pause on that one. if your actions and words don't match, you're three times more likely yeah. to have people lie to you. Okay. Oh, okay, great. And let's pause on that because we want to make sure people understand that and we'll come back. Um, we're going to take our, our break, so hold on and, and come back. This is Leadership Development News. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Icy Tech. Like the hardworking men and women that get up every day and do their job. The ones that stop at nothing to make sure that it's done right. It's not just an effort. It's not just know-how. It's a way of life. Icy Tech has been with you since 1998. And with the veteran community being behind you, we understand. With quality, with passion, we follow you in this way of life. Icy Tech, for those who get it. Icy Tech is a proud sponsor of the Emotional Brilliance Academy, where e-learning is leading edge. How can you be brilliant in the moment, given the daily challenges you face at work and home? How can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams, and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common-sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. We're always talking business. 
talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices practices of top performers. We're talking to a top performer here who has helped other people be top performer, Ron Carucci. Uh, and Ron, your, your website, is it, uh, let me just tell us what your website is so people want to follow up uh, uh, with you. Yeah, it's uh, com. And if you want to learn more about the book and the research, you can come to tobehonest.net. Great. And we'll repeat that a couple times, tobehonest.net. Now, is that, is that uh, book out now? The, the book is out, yeah, it came out a couple months ago, and okay, doing very well, great, and great. making all the impact I hoped it would. <laughs> That's good. All right, so to kind of go back to where we were, which I think is is really interesting uh, uh, research that you got, especially around one of these kind of key principles of honesty, and you said if they uh, say, do, act, if people um, you know, are consistent in their words and actions, that they're seen more as trustworthy and honest. And as we're talking about leadership, because we talk about leaders being the emotional bank, the emotional thermostat for the team, that I think what's really interesting for our listeners is that the people around them, their direct report, their teams, they will also be more honest and trustworthy. So maybe say a little bit about that before we get into the next condition. Yeah, so the, the, the way the statistics work in the, in the research is that, is that, is that they're bidirectional. Um, so that if your actions and words don't match, in other words, in your organization, um, if you're, you've said, if you've uh, said, this is our mission, this is our value, this is our purpose, but, pe- but people look at those and roll their eyes as if they're um, just for cosmetic consumption only, you've now institutionalized duplicity. You've now said to your organization, well, around here, we say one thing, but we do another. And so, mm. or as a leader, if you, if you belie your own, you know, sense of values. In other words, if you talk about, if you tell people all the time, you value compassion, you value empathy, you value care, but somebody comes yeah. running in and says, wow, somebody just rear-ended your car, and your first question is, wow, what was the damage, rather than was anybody hurt? There goes your <laughs> proclamation of compassion <laughs> being important to you, right? Right. And so, again, and once people have decided that around here we say and do different things, now I've given myself permission to do the same. So now I'm going to yeah. just conclude that regardless of what happens here, it's perfectly okay for me to say one thing but yeah. do another. Wow. This is so powerful. I mean, hopefully for our listeners, you know, because what we're, what we're saying is, is the leader, and we talk about, you know, the leaders being under the spotlight. It doesn't take, maybe you can say something about it, it doesn't take more than one or two times to uh, experience some duplicity where all of a sudden that's the new message. So maybe say, I mean, anything in your research on, on uh, you know, how often does it take before you, we undermine trust and we undermine honesty? Uh, well, you, you've heard, I'm sure you've heard the, many of the cliches, really. It takes years to build trust and seconds to lose it. 
Um, and the reality yeah. is your trustworthiness can, can be gone in a matter of seconds and you don't even know it. I had to give um, yeah. feedback to a client recently uh, to tell him that his, his team had lost trust in him. And he was shocked. He was obviously very defensive. And he said, but I, you know, I've never broken my word to them. I don't lie to them. I, I'm transparent. I tell them the truth. Um, I engage them. I try and give them opportunities. How could I not be trustworthy? I said, well, um, it turns out apparently in meetings when you're with the team, he, he was somebody that touted the, the importance of teamwork a great deal. He was all about we. And I said, but apparently right. you, you become very impatient with people who go on too long um, or, or when they say something that you don't appreciate, you become a little bit snide or sarcastic and you cut them off. You say, well, everybody has wow. a bad day. I said, well, you have apparently had quite a few of them. And your team has decided it's not safe to say what they think around you because they don't want to risk being snarked at or sarcastically demeaned in front of the group. He had no wow. connection to the idea that that behavior, um, yeah. he, he was, I mean, in his mind it was harmless, just a little bit of you know, crass humor, but the reality was it was undermining trust to a significant degree and the, and the psychological yeah. safety of the group. Um, never in his mind did he equate that with trustworthiness. That's beautiful. But he, was uh, and, he, he, he was telling the group he valued teamwork, he valued the collective efforts, but his actions yep. were belying that. So just to underline what you're saying, Ron, I mean, that is so, that is so good and meaningful. And it is in teams, and you also mentioned psychological safety, and it, and it can be a lot of these nonverbal things. I mean, there can be things in meetings where, like you said, they're cutting off someone or you're rolling your eyes. Um, or I think in now that we're virtual, when somebody is speaking, when do you go to look at your email? And, you know, when do you do something else? Because that person is not as valued. And, you know, people know that. And these are all subtle things that are, that are uh, happening all the time. And like you said, many leaders may not be aware how it's undermining their leadership. All right. So we got the first condition. Um, and then what, you know, so tell, walk us through the next ones. So the next one was about uh, was um, uh, justice and fairness and accountability. So all of our organizations and all our leaders have ways in which they hold people to account. The problem is that you know the process that should be the most honoring, the most dignifying process in our organizations has become the most demeaning and demoralizing. You never hear people walk in to their office and say, "Hey, I'm so excited to take my performance review," um, because our, our our ability to actually account for the contributions of others has become, you know, painfully robotic. Um, it, yeah. it, it, it neuters individuality because it was built at a time, these processes were built at a time when uh, people, most people's remit was repetitive work. How many calls did you file today? How many claims did you process? How many T-shirts did you produce? But today, yeah. most of our remits are very personal. They're our analysis, our creativity. Our, our solutions, our ideas, our radical thinking. And so today, the contribution and the contributor are much more fused than ever. You can't say it's not personal because when I evaluate your work, I am evaluating you. And when you do that in a way that's, you know, uh, you know sort of trying to neutralize individuality because our, our, our performance systems are, are trying to be fair and they, they define right. fairness as sameness. But sameness is the very thing that makes it unfair because the contributions are so unique to the individual. So until we put dignity back into accountability and until we neutralize the variance in it so that the, the, everybody has the same shot of success, right? No matter who you are, no matter what job you're in, no matter what you look like, um, yeah. you can be as successful as anybody else. But until we have justice 
and dignity back in accountability, we don't have it. And when people perceive your accountability systems as unfair and unjust, now you're four mm. times more likely to have people lie, cheat, and serve their own interests first. But if your accountability wow. processes are seen as fair and just, meaning you're, you're seeing me as an individual, I trust your evaluation of my work, and I can be as successful as anybody else, now you're yeah. four times as likely to have me tell the truth, behave fairly, and serve a greater good. And so how'd you come up with the, you know, the other one around uh, honesty was, and trust was three times, and this was four times. This is just from uh, an evaluation or like a scale on, that, that analyzed all This was statistically analyzed correlation. So we, we did a, a deep forensic artificial intelligence examination of the 3,200 interviews and correlated uh, the four okay. conditions to their pr- pr- predictiveness okay. of dishonest behavior. That's great. Well, so uh, I have to kind of tone down my curiosity here because I want to hear, you know, is there any practices that you found that were good around performance? But let's get through the four, and then maybe we can come back to, you know, any kind of actions, uh, proactivity that people can do. So we've got now justice, fairness, and accountability can lead to four times being seen that way or four times someone being uh, more willing to lie and cheat. So what's the third one? Uh, this is transparency in decision-making. So if I walk into a meeting and uh, what's happening around that table, I, the data that's being presented is data I trust. Uh, I, I don't believe anybody's playing a game. That the problem that we're there to solve, I believe we're actually there to solve it. And my voice is welcome. Uh, you, you, uh, if yeah. I want to disagree, push back, and challenge the prevailing ideas or analysis, that's, I'm free to do so. That's transparency and governance or decision-making. And now you're three and a half times more likely to have me tell the truth and behave fairly and serve a greater good. But if I walk into that room and I think it's nothing but orchestrated theater, meaning you've already made the decision, you're now just trying to make up the like it was my idea, or the data has been spun some way, or you're, you're not presenting dueling facts at all, you're just presenting the ones that spin to your case. And yeah, yeah. if the last thing I believe, if the last thing I believe is that you want to hear a countervailing point of view, or, or, or a perspective that challenges yours, then I'm going to keep my mouth shut yeah. and just nod my head. Now, you're going to have times to have people lie and cheat and steal because now the only way to, for me to get reliable information is go to the underground. Right? I can't get it in the room. Wow. That's powerful. And kind of going back to what we said before, that may be for the leader, who do you, who do you interrupt and who don't you interrupt? You know, and again, those yep. powerful things. If someone you know, is getting interrupted, they may seen as lower status. And then all of a sudden, that affects the whole uh, psychological safety of the team. Well, I, I would really push that even further, Ellie, and say, who, whose input do you ask for? Whose input do you welcome? Whose input do you yeah. ignore? Uh, who, who do you yeah, put on your exactly. agenda to present to your team? Um, who, when, you, when you make decisions, do you invite dissent? Here's a quick litmus test for you. If you don't have somebody walking into your office two or three times a week saying something that makes you uncomfortable, you can be very confident your leadership sucks. So say, say that one again. That's beautiful. Say it again. If, if you don't have somebody walking into your office two or three times a week telling you something that uh-huh. makes you uncomfortable, then you can be very confident your leadership sucks. <laughs> okay. Um, because, that's really good. Because, versus, because you, versus, are, you are the topic of dinner conversations at night. At, in some people's yeah. homes, people are telling stories about you. If you don't know what stories they're telling... You should worry. Yeah. 
because you should want to be shaping yeah. the stories they tell. You should be sending people home, telling the stories of how they challenged your ideas or brought you a new thinking or pushed back on behavior that bothered them um, and how they went home and talked about how great that felt to do. Wow. And I think because we know if, from... If what, you, uh, if what you've concluded is that there is no bad news, now are you not only a bad leader, but you're stupid. Because there's something happening in your organization that's troubling. And if they're not telling you, you have to wonder who they're telling. Because they're telling somebody. Yeah. Right. You know, I'll give you an example. Um, I had a leader, a CEO that I was, I was working with, who, if you're familiar with, you know, Myers-Briggs was an ENFP, so very feeling-oriented. And someone would bring him bad news, and his language was so powerful. It was, about a, it was about a customer or something that didn't go. And he said, oh, that's like a knife to my heart. Well, how many, you know, just that one statement, how many people are going to want to, and he's a great guy, how many people are going to want to put a knife to his heart with bad news? So the same thing as you're saying, he wasn't getting the bad news. Yeah. All right, good. So uh, we got transparency and decision-making and three and a half times seen as telling the truth and same thing that three and a half times that people won't cheat and lie. And again, this happens so quick. And again, the one thing I'll say around uh, Gallup tells us one of their questions is my opinion seems to count. What a, what a basic foundational thing. If, if you're a leader and if you're not saying to your people, what do you think? And, and what could go wrong with this? Let's get a little devil's advocate. And I think also, Ron, you probably do this too. I encourage people to maybe not only have it come from your, your mouth, but you could bring up the bad news from a stakeholder. Put a stakeholder hat on. My team is going to have a hard time with this. The customer is really going to disagree with that. Um, you know, and it makes it a little safer than everything coming from your mouth. So that's where the emotional intelligence comes from. Which hat? You know, what, am I, I mean, a truth teller from my mouth? Great. But then also, does that, like you said in organizations, does that get you in trouble? Sometimes putting on a different hat, but in having the truth come from a, another stakeholder's point of view can help. I, I had one CEO that I worked with who did a brilliant thing. He actually would tell people when they knew they were going to be debating a, a really important and complicated topic, um, and he knew the person was, you know, somebody bringing in the data, somebody bringing in the point of view, and was going to be advocating for a specific position, he would, he would intentionally assign two or three others on the team in a very open space to bring in what he called dueling fact bases. Bring in the data that's going to refute the data that is being presented. And so he, he knew, yeah. otherwise, they'd all be colluding outside in the hallway. So he said, if we're going to fight about it, we're going to fight about it together. And so he had people intentionally bring in uh, the data that would countervail what was being presented so that they could actually raise the quality of their decision-making and then be much more aligned around that decision when they made it. That's beautiful. So, and what do you call that? Dueling what? Dueling fact basis. Dueling fact basis? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, dueling facts. We have a dueling facts. Yeah, yeah. That's great. And I think, you know, good leaders, like you said, just have to be open to that. Whatever you want to call that, you know, someone plays the devil's advocate, Let's hear, you know, any unintended consequences is another great one. Before we move forward, any unintended consequences that could happen. Let's get thinking about what could go wrong with this idea versus everybody moving with the idea. Okay, good. I had one leader I I work with, and she she said, she would always say, okay, so tell me that I'm on crack. Tell me me why I'm smoking crack here. And she was just a funny way of getting people to 
to sort of, you know, <laughs> push back on her. So the fourth condition is um, cross-functional collaboration. So the sort of the border wars. So if... Um, hey, Ron. We're going to break? Hey, Ron. Yep. Yeah, yeah. We'll get, so let me, before we get to this, we're going to go to our, our next break, and then we'll, we'll get into cross-functional collaboration. You're listening to Leadership okay. Development News. Hopefully you're on the edge of your seat, as I am with Ron, you know, really talking about really, really important stuff if you're a leader here if you're a parent. So come on back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. How can you be brilliant in the moment? Given the daily challenges you face at work and home, how can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams, and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common-sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Today, expertise equals credibility. When you know what to do and how to do it, people follow because they acknowledge that you know more. However, stepping up in your career eventually pushes you out of your comfort zone of expertise. How you lead at those moments requires new skills. We're here to show you how to survive and thrive. Join me, Wanda Wallace, on Out of the Comfort Zone at Voice America Business Channel. You can find more information at Leadership Forum INC. Say It Skillfully is my new radio show about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said. This is your host, Molly Chang. Call in and I'll help you find the right words to tackle any difficult conversation or ticklish situation you've been avoiding. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Join me live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. 
We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News Profiles and Practice of Top Performers. We're talking with Ron Carucci from Navalent, uh, his um, consulting firm. And if you want more information about the book that we're talking about, tobehonest.net. Um, and I'm sure it's on Amazon and every other place. It just came out a couple of months ago. But as you're hearing Ron talk, hopefully that's something you go, ooh, I want to get some of this data and, and help myself be a, uh, a top leader in regards to you know honesty and trustworthiness. So, Ron, we're on the fourth condition, and you said cross-functional collaboration. So. Tell us about what you found with that. Yeah, so all of our all of our organizations have border wars, right? We have the classic um, dissonance between sales and marketing, or supply chain and operations, or R and D and R and D and manufacturing. Places where there are there are um, you, you know difficult unresolved conflicts. Well, it turns out if the seams of your organization aren't stitched well, if there's if there's intractable conflicts there, uh, it's pretty surprising to us. Uh, you're actually six times more likely to have people be dishonest because when you fragment the organization, you fragment the truth. You fragment, um, you know, a bigger story. And so now all I have is dueling truths, right? My truth versus your truth. But if you have cohesion at those scenes, if you have people who come together at those scenes to collab- collaborate well, who can serve a greater good, who can um, synergistically combine their contributions into a, gr- a greater good, you know, so sales and marketing can collaborate into go-to-market strategies or marketing and supply chain innovation can, and R&D can collaborate for innovation. When that happens, you're now six times more likely to have people tell the truth and be hey, fairly because now we're part of a bigger story. Now we're all co- coalesced into a unified whole. Um, and the really interesting thing about these statistics, Willie, is that they're cumulative. So if you're good at mm. all four of these things, you are 16 times more likely to have people tell the truth and behave fairly and serve a greater good. But if you suck at all four of these things, now you're 16 times more likely to find yourself uh, in the headline on the newspaper of a story you never wanted to be in. Wow. So of the four, the cross-functional collaboration is, has the biggest impact, uh, but also, like I would imagine, it's the most challenging because it's natural to have what we call silos and, you know, I yep. am my department. And point fingers at others. They're the enemy. You know, Peter Senge talked about yep. the enemy is out there. Um, so what what strategies have you found successful? I mean, these are, you know, you got really, really good research. Anybody, uh, you know, should be really interested in this. What, what are some of the things that are going to help maybe improve in some of these? And, again, you can kind of get into some of the organizational impacts. So let's just start with uh, the last one, the, the cross-functional collaboration, right? So everybody, every department, to your point about, you know, is, is tribalistic in nature, you have a they. Who's your they? Who's the, oh, here they come again, or here they come asking for something again, or they didn't do this. Well, the reality is, um, how can you, ask yourself how you can make your they part of your we. Go, go sit and talk to them and say, hey, we, we know this is not working as well as it could be. How can I make it better? What can I do to be a better colleague to you? Um, how do we make, how do we drive you crazy? Because guess what? If, if they're your they, you're probably somebody's they too. And so just reach out. Uh-huh. 
have a cup of coffee. Just talk about how, yeah. to, how can this relationship be better? Sometimes what you find yeah. is that it's not interpersonal, right? Sometimes what you find is that, you know, they're being held accountable to a metric or a KPI that competes right. with yours, right? So, you, yeah. you know, so sometimes you're structurally designed to fight rather than to co- yeah. cooperate. Um, with your, you know, the uh, identity, one, just pull the values and mission statements off the wall in your next team meeting. Put them on the table and say, hey, guys, how, how well are we doing living by these? How, if people followed us around with a video camera all day long, could they use that video to train people in these values? Yeah, where are we? Where are there gaps? Where are there places where we're not as being as good as we could be or being our best selves with, with respect to these values of this purpose statement? Um, with respect to the transparency, you know, ask people, uh, do you feel engaged in the decisions that, that affect you? Do you feel like um, all the information you have is, is what you need? make choices. Just talk about it. Um, ask yourself as a leader, who, whose voices do I include? Whose voices do I exclude? What data do I use to make decisions? What data do I not, not invite? Um, how much do I rely on intuition or do I, do I overseek consensus? Do I include people too much and then get paralyzed? Because that, that's equally as mm. um, trustworthy. That's equally as trust eroding. And lastly, when it comes right. to accountability, uh, just ask people, you know, do you feel honored? in your work? Do you feel like your work is really valued? Here's the best way. If you want to make sure people know how you really truly appreciate them, ask for the story. The next time somebody comes in to give you their work or finishes a project or hands you in a paper or something that you've asked mm. for, say, you know, just say, I'm sure I have no idea what that took for you to con- contribute and I'm sure it was much harder than it looks. Tell me the story. What was it like? And just listen to the story of their contribution. Watch them come alive. Watch them become animated. Yeah. And if you listen to the story, you'll be given a gold mine of that, how that person uh, is best motivated, how that person, what they enjoy, what they struggle. Um, and if you use that data, now they're going to trust you more with the things that are important to them because they know that you, you took the time to listen to yeah. the experience they had of doing something that was contributed to the whole team. That's beautiful. I love that. Um, and, and I think just like you're saying, if you can see that people kind of light up, um, and I think on the other side of that, I mean, hearing the story, I usually end up telling folks uh, this acronym of POWER, P-O-W-R-R. When, and when something's successful, can you say, yeah, thanks a lot. Um, but you, what do you want to P-O-W is point out what? And you really want to point out what was right and you want to see repeated. And I think it's the repeated. Like, so really another way of saying that, any success, how do you turn that into a process, which maybe is really getting them to reveal the story. So it's one that you can yep. hold them accountable it to is. later. Oh, you know, when you did this project, you did this, this, and this. And I remember you did this and this. Now you can kind of connect back to what they did do. But if you can make every success into a process and that idea, because I think leaders, they may say thanks, but they're not pointing out what was right or what they want to see repeated. So, something that I pass on. So, tell me a little bit more about, you know, the impact on the organization, uh, anything about kind of the research you said earlier in the break that this was, you know, across uh, uh, all countries. So, you know, just kind of zoom out a little bit on, you know, for organizations and, you know, in, in more uh, internationally. I, I, think what, I think what was powerful from a global point of view, I mean, yeah, there are certain cultures in which, Truth-telling takes on different meanings, right? So if you go to the Pacific Rim, you'll find one thing. If you go to Eastern Europe, you'll find something. So there are cultural nuances that may affect 
how we metabolize honesty. But the fact of the matter is, this was a global study uh, of multinational companies all over the world, and the, the, the patterns were still the patterns. Human beings still want people to be honest with them. And the great news is uh, we did a lot of neuroscience research as well. Our brains are naturally hardwired for honesty. Our brains thrive when we, t- when we are in honest environments. Our, our physical health, our emotional health, and our psychological health are at their optimal in honest places. But left to our own devices, we will succumb. So if we are in environments that don't value honesty, unless we remove ourselves from those environments, we will succumb. And eventually the line will slip. And when we don't back away from the slope, it becomes a slippery slope. Um, And unfortunately, unlike our our electronic devices that come equipped with a restore factory settings button, our brains don't come equipped with that button. And so our Uh brains will be, you know, the, the lines we said we would never cross suddenly become all too familiar. So... Uh, but the great news is that we're, we're, wired, for how, we're wired for our best performance uh, in honest environments. That's the great news about the data, right? So in every performance metric you care about, um, uh, whether it's you know, profitability or market share or customer loyalty or employee retention or employee loyalty or earnings per share or stock price, any metric you can think of, honest companies, the ESG companies, the companies that are in the portfolios of sustainable and ethical companies, all of them substantially outperform their competitors by, 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 not, by very non-trivial amounts. So the reality is the reason to, do, to, to care about this isn't scandal avoidance. Don't do this because you want to not be in a bad headline. Do this because you want to unleash the best performance available to your organization and from your organization because you want to create the environment in which people can be their best selves, come and live their best right. purpose. And, and, and give you their best ideas and leave their best mark on the world and go home and come back the next day and do it again. That's the reason to do it. it yeah, yeah. You know, the, the, the greater levels of honesty in your organization equates with the greater levels of performance. So before we end, and, and this is really, uh, really, really helpful. Uh, you're giving some good tips. Before we end, anything around maybe the most honest performance reviews that you found? Because if we're kind of getting now zooming back in, into what are some of the tactics, you know, which is like, can be aversive performance reviews. What have you found that's been helpful? Uh, so, you know, people don't want to be sugarcoated. They don't want to be told, you know, they're great. Um, the first thing you, if you, 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 you have to sort of steer clear from is, is what we know really works poorly is force ratings and force rankings. So if you're using systems that require you to put somebody in a box or force a number to them, um, that's when you're really hurting people. We know that our, our amygdala, we know that our brains respond to categorical thinking as a threat. I, I actually did a coaching session a couple of years ago with a, a leader, and this story's in the book, um, where he had, was a top succession candidate for a job, and we were, had been coaching him for that, and, he, and it was the day of his performance review, so we intentionally scheduled our, a conversation afterwards. He came on, and I could see before he even started thinking the veins were coming out of his neck. And he starts ranting. She gave me a three, but I'm always a four. In my last company, I was a five. How come it was, I was a quota? So who, who the hell got the four if I got a three? He was irate. And I'm like, wow. Whoa. Yeah. And he, he emailed me the documents. And I, I said, can you, I want to read what she wrote. And I'm reading what she wrote. And I'm reading the words. And I'm reading. And it's all fair. It's all really well written. It's very complimentary of his work. Um, the areas where he was falling short were he knew about and he was working on them. And he was still the top candidate to be successor in a year. Um, but it was the number. 
It was being categorized in a place he felt was unfair that made him obliterated. So I would tell you, if you're using force rankings, don't. Um, Secondly, if you're pulling your punches, if you're not giving people honest feedback about where they can improve and helping them do that, then you're wasting their time. People want to be held to account. They want to be told where they can improve. And they want to know that you're an ally, that you're on their side, but they want to be told um, that, you know, that you want them to improve and that they can. So that they, they want balanced feedback. Right. You know, one of the things, Ron, maybe just your comment on this, and then I'm sure we're going to end in a moment. Um, what I tell people, you know, is that if they can use around the feedback, if they can say, this is good, let's talk about how you can do it even more, even better. So those two terms, even more, even better, seems to get what we want, but maybe it's an easier way for people to hear it. Maybe just a quick comment on that, and then we'll end here. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think the, the only caution I'd have there really is um, you don't want to institutionalize a never good enough mentality, right? So yeah. I, would, I, I would always, I qualify that with if there really isn't even more and even better, have the dialogue. Right. So I would ask, is there one? Because if some, for some people, it may it. be nothing I ever do, it becomes a nothing I ever do is good enough for you. Thing. Yeah, yeah, I got and it. And so okay. you want to make sure you're not pushing people to an edge oh. that's unhealthy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's good. Yeah, and I think uh, that's... Uh, well taken. Okay. So maybe just say your uh, website again, and we'll, we'll sign off so people can go, um, you know, get in touch with you. Yeah. So come visit us at Navalent, N-A-V-A-L-E-N-T.com. Lots of books, videos, e-books, all kinds of stuff there for you to download for free. And if you want to learn more about the book, come to tobehonest.net. Perfect. Hey, Ron, this was really uh, enlightening. So I think you got some really great work uh, that you've done, and and thanks for uh, sharing it with us. And this has been Leadership Development News. Tune in to tune up your performance. We'll uh, hear you or you'll hear us again next week. Thank you. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you gained some great ideas and inspiration on how to elevate your leadership skills. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.